Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A desire to bring the truth to the forefront and a refusal to back down. The Roy Green Show continues. All right. Burn blue on the street, loose and complete under sky, so smoky blue green. I can't foresee a Dixie did she, so we dance the sidewalk clean. My memory is muddy, what's this river that I'm in? New Orleans is sinking, man, and I don't want to swim. Let me read you a little bit of a CBC news story or a Canadian press story from uh, September 12, 2011. Two of every three Afghans who sought refuge in Canada after risking their lives working for the military in Kandahar have been turned away, including some who worked alongside Canadian soldiers during the bloodiest days of battle. The Special Measures Program was announced with much fanfare by Immigration Minister Jason Kenney in the fall of 2009 and brought Canada in line with other NATO countries which had already launched similar initiatives. Applicants had to demonstrate they faced extraordinary risk as a result of their work with Canada. Few didn't. Working as an interpreter for NATO forces in southern Afghanistan was akin to having a Taliban bullseye on uh, the backs of the interpreters. Stories of night letters, threatening phone calls, abductions, and even hangings were part of the job. As interpreters also traveled with soldiers and diplomats, at least six were among those killed during the IED strikes. The other major requirement for acceptance was a bit tougher. Interpreters must have worked for Canada for 12 consecutive months between October 2007 and July 2011 when the mission in Kandahar came to an end. But Canadian troops began their work in Kandahar in 2006, as did the hundreds of interpreters who would go on to work for the Canadian government. The demand for their services was extraordinary. The military says that over the five years of work in Kandahar, they had more than 6,000 requests from soldiers for assistance in speaking with the local population. Between the summer of 2006 and the summer of 2007, Canada endured some of its heaviest fighting and the beginning of the IED scourge. That's from Canadian Press in 2011. So you had to be working for Canada for 12 consecutive months between October 2007 and July 2011. And the fact is that a lot of the interpreters worked for Canada beginning in 2006. They can't come to Canada. Their lives are threatened. I read an email Yesterday, from one of the interpreters who's in Turkey, he can't get back to Afghanistan. He can't afford to have tonsillectomy that he requires because he's, he's got problems with his throat. He just needs help. And these men, these interpreters, I don't know if there were any female interpreters, um, but the interpreters were in, in the battlefield with Canadian troops. And when the troops were fired on, the interpreters were fri- fired on. So we spoke about a year ago with Alex, who's in Afghanistan and uh, was an interpreter for our troops. He wants to come to Canada. And I've tried. I've gotten in touch with people and try to impress on them that 
Alex deserves to be here because of his service to our soldiers and in some cases I didn't even get a reply. So we're back on the air. And Alex is back with us in Afghanistan and also with us is Major Mark Campbell of the Princess Patricia Canadian Light Infantry. We've talked to Major Campbell on many an occasion on this program. He's a member of the Equitas lawsuit. He uh, lost both of his legs in an IED attack in Afghanistan. And uh, he's actually one of the uh, veterans. Justin Trudeau was directly, directly speaking about when the prime minister said, well, they want more than we can give right now. Got money for other things, but not for the veterans. Major Campbell, good to speak with you again, sir. Good afternoon, Roy. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good, thank you very much. Uh, just finished a, a, a brief rainstorm here and sunny red deer, but uh, the sun's come out, so things are nice. And you're doing something for one of your buddies, right? Yeah, we're down doing uh, a show and shine. It's just wrapping up now uh, because of the rain more more than anything, but uh, we did a, a show and shine for... Uh, yeah, for charity. He, he raises money. His uh, seventh annual year. The fellow's name is Glenn Rhodes, and uh, he's with the uh, Riders and Cruisers in Red Deer, which is his his uh, motorcycle club. And uh, every year they put on this uh, show and shine specifically uh, to raise funds for PTSD uh, awareness and for first responder treatment. Isn't that uh, great? Specifically through an organization called Can Praxis, which is equine therapy. So yeah, I, because and, and and you know. Th- these these individual and private efforts mean so much and help so much for veterans with PTSD and veterans who have other needs. Absolutely, that's why uh, my wife and I are down uh, down today supporting Glenn and supporting his uh, his show and shine because it's important that people see uh, um, the, the the need that exists because the need is very much still out there. Major Campbell, tell us please about the interpreter, the Afghan interpreter you had with your unit, with the PPCLI in Afghanistan, and how important this interpreter uh, was to you and, and where the interpreter is now. Absolutely. Uh, my friend and brother, uh, Mohammed Rahman, uh, also known as Froggy, um, because of his rather hoarse voice, he was my interpreter in uh, 2008 on my second tour in Afghanistan when I was hit. And uh, for three and a half months, he and I were uh, well about as tight as a pair of brothers can be, I, I would suggest. Uh, we became good friends um, over time, um, and he was much more than just an interpreter. I can get a machine to interpret. What I can't get a machine to do is to, um, or to translate. What I can't get a machine to do is interpret the culture for me, interpret the, 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 the do's and don'ts uh, of, of tribal culture in Afghanistan. And that's where the interpreter comes into play. He's, your, he's if, any, if nothing else, your ambassador to that, to that foreign culture. And he bridges that gap. I mean, oftentimes I'd go into a meeting and uh, Mohammed would be chatting for, you know, at least two, three minutes before before I was, you know, expected to say anything. And what he would be doing is going through all of the Afghan niceties. How is your how is your family? How is your sister? How are your brothers? How is it? And there's a certain pecking order you go down and, 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 and trade this information back and forth. And it's, it's these social niceties, the so-called three cups of tea before business is done, that the Afghan interpreter was was essential to my guy he was my, not just my interpreter he was my bodyguard uh, he carried a, an ak rifle alongside me he'd been a he'd been a physician's assistant in pakistan so he carried a medical bag and was my my first aid responder uh when we were back in camp sometimes he would cook up afghan delicacies for us i mean he was the all singing all dancing cultural attache i guess for lack of a better a better term 
And um, fortunately for him, um, he was able to impress enough people over the course of his duties, myself included, that um, he was able to take advantage of that special program that you mentioned at the at the opening of the show. And so uh, Mohammed and his family, his seven children and his wife, are, are now safely uh, and happily living in um, Ottawa, uh, Ontario, uh, where he's been for three years now. Uh, the children have all been through second language training. Uh, he and his wife have been through uh, second language training. They've, uh, they're all working or going to school. And they're productive members of Canadian society. Uh, just this past year, they all got their Canadian citizenship, which was a, a tremendous event in their lives. What a great story. What an absolutely great story. But we also know that at the same time, there are interpreters who, uh, who did for other units what uh, Muhammad did for your unit, and they cannot get into Canada. I had, yeah, this e- a- I had this email yesterday from Alam Khan, and he writes uh, about you. He said uh, he thinks he knows you. His interpreter, Froggy, Foggy, was our supervisor for two years. Ask him if he knows Foggy, and then tell him to ask Mr. Froggy uh, he know I worked. He knows I worked with the same team. Um, anyway, he goes on to write that he's in Turkey, can't go back to Afghanistan. I'm sick. I've got throat problems. The doctor told me you need a tonsillectomy, a surgery, which I can't afford, being a sick away from family. So here's an. I, I guess you know this uh, this gentleman. Well, I, I I I don't recall the name specifically, but. Chances are, if I saw him, I'd know him. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it, 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 this is a tragedy uh, unfolding, and it's a tragedy that Canada bears some responsibility uh, towards, not for creating the situation necessarily, but for not responding after the fact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think we do owe a duty of care to these people, um, you know, provided they are who they say they are, and that can certainly be checked out. I mean, it doesn't take a lot. Um, even through word of mouth references like you, you, you know, you just mentioned. Yeah. You know, we should be looking after these people if, in fact, they are who they say they are, because these people helped us when we needed help, and now they need help. We, you know, it's our duty as response as responsible Canadians to be there for them. Major Campbell, I, I'm going to take a break here, and then I want to introduce you to Alex. And I have I've asked Alex to send me proof that he was with Canadian units, and he did that. He sent me letters of commendation, photographs that, uh, of himself with Canadian uh, uh, soldiers. And uh, he also uh, interpreted for the Americans. And uh, he, he very much wants to come to Canada. And he's being hunted by the Taliban and by al-Qaeda. And they threaten to kill him and his family. So if you can hold on a minute, we'll take a break. We'll come back and I'll introduce you to Alex and we'll hear more of Alex's story. Stay with us on The Roy Green Show. He's been called many things, but we just call him Roy. This is the Roy Green Show. We're back uh, with Major Mark Campbell, PPCLI, who's in Afghanistan served in Afghanistan, so was 25 years in the regular military. And, uh, and um, Alex is in Afghanistan. Alex, Alex, I'll get to you in just a second. Uh, Major Campbell, I have a story here by Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun. And uh, Joe wrote this in 2007, I believe. And Joe's been so active in helping the, uh, the, the translators. And he mentions a Dr. Uh, Maya Hess, 
in uh, New York. She's the head of Red Tea. And she actually interceded with the prime minister's office. Was this 2007? 2017, is not 2007. She interceded with the prime minister Trudeau's office, and uh, she interceded on behalf of the man whose email I just read, Alam Khan. And I see a certificate of appreciation for Mr. Khan uh, in Joe's story. He served with the Canadian military in Kandahar between 2007 and 2010, and uh, he missed out on that special program to come to Canada, as did uh, others, of course. And uh, one of the one of the ones who was able to get into Canada is uh, James Akam, who is a friend of Alex's, who's on the line with us in Afghanistan. I had James speak to Alex last time, and James is living in Calgary, and... Uh, Steve Smith, who listens to this program regularly, uh, sent me an email saying that uh, he was talking to James yesterday, and he hopes to get his Canadian citizenship in a couple of months. Meanwhile, Alex is still being chased by al-Qaeda and the Taliban in Afghanistan. Something wrong here. Seriously wrong. Alex, how are you in Afghanistan? How are you, Alex? Hi, friend. I'm fine. I'm really great to have you again and talk to you. I really appreciate your uh, work and your hard work and your time and the co-workers and the staff that you're working in at your I really appreciate your time. And I want to use this opportunity and happy birthday of uh, the 151st of Canada to all the Canadian citizens. And, yeah, I mean, I thank you very much for your time. Your, uh, I mean, the ones that you're working at your channel. Really appreciate this. Your life is in in danger. You're being you're being hunted by by the Taliban. Correct. Exactly. It's something to consider. I mean, I want the Canadian officials to consider and think about this. I mean, we had a couple of uh, uh, shows. I mean, this yeah, year. So I'm not. I mean, even what's going to happen next? So I'm of course I'm I'm hiding from the from the Taliban and the back. And very importantly, let me thank Major Cumble's uh, services and team. Well, he, well, him and his, I mean, he and his team, they help by acting task force and marksmanship principles or any kind of trainings or even missions. And of course, I'm really sorry what happened to him. So, yeah, I mean, this war is taking lives, injuries, wounds, and stuff like that. But I'm really sorry with what happened to Major Cumble. But I appreciate the services, all Canadians, women, I mean, men and women who serve Afghanistan, I really appreciate your, your services. Major Campbell, let me have you speak to Alex. Hello, Alex. Uh, how are you? Um, I'm, 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 I'm glad to hear that you are, are, are well now. I worry about you and, and, and other, other men like you. Um, and uh, I sincerely hope that with the help of, of Mr. Mr. Green and Maybe people like myself as well. Um, somehow we can talk to the right people and uh, see if we can't right um, a wrong and get you uh, where you belong here in Canada. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, once again, I would like to say I'm sorry what happened to you. And, yeah, I'm really glad talking to you. So uh, don't, worry, don't worry about me. I'm, um, I'm a big boy, but I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I'm, uh, you know, things things are okay for me, um, but you are a bit of a concern, uh, I would say. 
uh, and, and I'm sure you know of others who are in a similar situation as you are. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shame that Canada's program has ended, but I don't think that's any reason why we can't um, do the right thing by, by people such as yourself. So I'm, I'm hoping that the Canadian government will somehow intercede and do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, 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 I mean, if it's not possible to reopen that visa program, at least there should be another way, like a humanitarian way, just to save lives. I mean, look at the situation right now. I mean, illegal border crossers are coming in, to, uh, and of course, millions of refugees coming from around the world in Syria, Iraq, other countries. So why not yeah. saving a few uh, lives of uh, left behind allies? I mean, work for Canada, who served for Canadian military Afghanistan. So, I mean, this situation well, this is, is really this tough is, right this now. Is, this is, this is, this is how I see it as well, Alex, is that, is that, I mean, Canada accepts refugees from all over the world, sight unseen. We don't know these people, but we bring them into our country. And, yes, we, we do some screening. But as far as I'm concerned, people like yourself, with your letters of reference and everything else, you've already been screened. You've already proven your your value. You've already paid your dues, as it were, if there are any dues to be paid, and you should be in Canada. And quite frankly, it's wrong that you're not. And that needs to be addressed. Well, let's let's work on that, uh, Major Campbell. I'll uh, I'll I'll send you some more information about Alex, and uh-huh. uh, and and maybe you and I can contact some people, and you certainly know. A great number of folks in the military, and uh, and and maybe we can. I hope we can help and get the Canadian people behind getting Alex and his brothers, who served so well and so d- devotedly, uh, our Canadian soldiers, in an effort uh, where they would have been, as you pointed out, uh, in far more serious trouble if they hadn't had the interpreters with them. So, Alex, we'll. Uh, I'm going to stay in touch with you. I'll get in touch with Major Campbell more about your situation, and we'll do our very best to get you into Canada. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I mean, I hope this happens. I mean, in a soon time because I survived from three suicide attacks recently. Yeah, we will. We will work with you. the The, the phones. The phone signal isn't the best, but I will get back to you in the next uh, week or so, and I'll let you know what's going on. Okay. Thank you very much. I All right, Alex. It. Take good care. And uh, that's, I mean, that literally. Major Campbell, thank you very much, and I'll get back to you with more information about Alex. Absolutely. Sounds good. Good talking to you again. All the best. All right. Take care. Major right, Campbell, right. Uh, Major Mark Campbell from the PPCLI and Alex in Afghanistan, and we'll do what we can to uh, persuade the Canadian government to do the right thing. Mr. Trudeau is aware of the situation, and if returning ISIS terrorists are allowed to walk freely in Canada without any encumbrance, I see no reason for not bringing Alex and the interpreters into this country. We'll come right back.